Philippians 4, verse 4 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I will say, Rejoice! Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known. To To everyone. everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about about anything, anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace, and the God of peace, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me. But you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Maybe see. Thank you, ladies, in reading our text for today. And again, we welcome you to our worship service this morning. I'm Pastor Dirk, and uh, just glad that you're here uh, worshiping with us. Now as we turn to our text this morning, will you bow with me in prayer? Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you that we can come to you in all things, whether they're big or small, and that we can be content because we can trust in you. Father, now as we look into your word this morning, Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear uh, the message that you have given to us this morning. We pray these things in the wonderful and strong name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I think it was in early 2000 when I saw it. The big mouth Billy Bass was created in 1998. Do you know what that is? It's the big plastic fish that hangs on the wall. And if you push a button or go by it, the, the, hail, the head and the tail kind of go back and forth. And it sings the words, don't worry, be happy. The song, if you want to know, was written in 1988. And at first I thought it was kind of cute. 
until I kept on hearing the words, don't worry, be happy. It became the most annoying thing that I ever heard. And why is that? Well, I don't always like to be happy, and I like to do a lot of worrying. I kind of start to understand what my parents went through growing up when I didn't show up on time when I was supposed to be home. But we get a little frustrated with the song, why? Because isn't that what is a part of our nature? Don't we like to worry? But at the same time, we know that we shouldn't do it. We don't have to do it. But then we look at our nation and we see all the crazy things that are going on. We see the rioters and them sending, uh, setting the, the buildings on fire. Then we see all the fires going on in our region. And we also live in this dog-eat-dog world where they say, do what you need to do to get ahead. But then we come to our text today, and one of the first verses that we read says what? Do not be anxious about anything. Well, that's always easier said than done, isn't it? But what does anxiety lead to? Well, first, anxiety leads to irrational behavior. You know, I was serving, uh, one of the first churches I served was on the East Coast. And there was something that happened the night before, and I was trying to figure out how that was going to affect the rest of my day, my ministry, and everything else that was going on. I stayed up all night long trying to think about it. And so I was serving with another pastor, and, you know, it got to be 5, 5.30 in the morning. I've been thinking about it all night long, not being able to sleep. And so I decided, he's going on vacation. I'm going to talk to him right before he goes on vacation. So at 5.30 in the morning, I go over to his house, and I say, look, man, this is what happened. He turned to me, and he said, so is this why you're over here? I said, yeah, come on, you know, this is a big thing. He said three words to me, go to sleep. It wasn't that big of a deal. And yet I made it a much bigger deal than it should have been. You know, some people might stay up all night long like, like I did, trying to think about what happened the consequences of what happened, and then how we can fix it. You know, for others, it's, it's calling and apologizing for things that either didn't happen or for things that were made a bigger deal than they could have been or should have been. But anxiety in leading to irrational behavior makes us do things that are not normal and they take away from us being productive. And they don't allow us to function as we would normally do. 
Because what happens if we're staying up all night long? You're sleeping during the day, aren't you? Or sleepwalking through your day. And you're certainly less productive. And so anxiety leads to irrational behavior. Anxiety also leads to irrational thinking. Earlier in chapter 4, Euodia and Syntyche weren't getting along. They were actually doing the opposite of of what was read for us in verse 8. Paul says, I entreat you, Euodia, and I entreat you, Syntyche. And so Paul's saying, I beg you, please stop. I entreat you to agree in the Lord. I plead with you to, to agree in the Lord. There was one theologian that said that there must have been a long-standing disagreement on how to do great ministry. And so when you have one person over here saying, no, this is the way we need to do it, and another person over here saying, no, we need to do it this way, what happens? Nothing! Nothing but arguments, disagreements. And so as a result, their ministry was greatly hindered. One was saying that her plan was better than the other. My plan is better. Isn't that something we're also hearing right now in our society? We have people running for office. And they're not just saying anything about their plan. They're fighting with the guy across the aisle. And then we have other people in our government that are just arguing with each other and fighting with one another. What is actually getting done? When we are irrationally thinking, we sometimes think of things that are not beneficial to ourselves or to the kingdom. And that can cause division in our society and in our church. We might just be saying, look, we can't do that. Or it's not going to work. Or it's not anything that we've done before. So let's just not do anything. Some of you might have anxiety in our vision as to the go part. And what is the go? Sharing the gospel. Sometimes our thinking is as though we are anticipating our neighbor coming out with a meat cleaver. Or maybe something a little less horrendous that will happen when we talk with them. Or maybe we just don't like people saying no. And so we are driven with anxiety. And that leads us to think things that are untrue, dishonorable, unjust, sinful or evil. Think things that are hateful, horrible, and bad. And so when we have anxiety, it leads us to irrational thinking. Anxiety also leads us to irrational neediness. 
Now, I'm not just talking about those who are economically challenged, but we can include them. But I'm talking about the constant complainer. Do you know any of those people? It doesn't matter what's going on, what they're experiencing. They're always complaining. It doesn't matter about what they have or what they just received. They're never satisfied. They're always looking for more. They're never having enough. They're always looking for the next best thing and always looking for an upgrade. This might include a house, car, phone, parents. Hey, you two aren't looking for an upgrade in parents, are you? I'm looking at my kids for those on Facebook. No, I'm glad, glad to hear that. That's all I'm going to say about that. Did you hear about the 22-year-old who got a BMW for his birthday? Now, this is something that happened in India. In India. This 22-year-old got a BMW for his birthday. And you think that he might say thanks for the gift. But he wasn't satisfied. He wasn't happy about the car that he got. You know what he did? He thought about all the friends that he thought he was going to show his car off to. The car, the, the, his friends that he was going to be able to stick in his car. He drove his car into a river. And you know why? It wasn't the Jaguar that he wanted. Irrational neediness. And then we might have seen people as the riots were happening in New York City, or not New York City, Seattle. And they happened in New York City and everywhere else too. What happened? People were breaking into places trying to get what they wanted. They were irrational in their neediness. This is what anxiety does. It might not be as extreme as we have just talked about. But anxiety leads to doing irrational things. But it doesn't have to be this way for us. We can turn from this irrational life and we can turn to what we as children of God call the rational. Here we turn from looking to ourselves and we turn to Christ. For it is in Christ we can be content. And we can be content because Jesus gives us his peace. In the second part of verse 6, it says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Or in some verses, it might say petition. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Pray with thanksgiving. Why can we pray with thanksgiving? Well, we pray with thanksgiving because God answers us according to his good and perfect and pleasing will. He knows us. 
and what we are going through. He doesn't sit and watch from his watchtower, from his perch above. But he is here with us. One of the names that God has is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He also has the blueprint of our whole lives. God has known us before we were even conceived. And he knows our lives all the way into eternal life. He also understands. He understands what we are going through. For Jesus has seen it all. And in verse 7 it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can trust God with whatever happened. God is in control of all of our circumstances. And what happens when you find peace? When God gives to you his peace. It's like that huge boulder that has been sitting on your shoulders has been lifted off. We find relief in our hearts. The burden that we have carried is no longer there. For in Christ, we can be content because he gives us his peace. Secondly, in Christ, we can be content in his way of thinking. In verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These things are not self-seeking. They're not looking to what benefits us. They're not looking for what next best thing we might be able to receive. But it's looking to the benefit of others. It's about bringing glory to God. In Christ, we can be content in his way of thinking. And by being content, we can put his way of thinking into practice. It says in verse 9, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We can live out what we've learned. We can live out who we are in Christ Jesus. We no longer have to be living in anxiety or fear, but we can be living in faith as we continue to trust God in who he is and what he has given to us in Christ Jesus. Lastly, in Christ we can be content in our circumstances. In verses 10 through 12, it says, In Christ, or, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You indeed were, concern, you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low or to be in need and not having enough, and I know how to be abound, which is to be having plenty. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. You see, Paul here is talking about the extremes of having really nothing and having too much. And yet he says, I can be content. Is it the same way with us? Are we content to be in any and every one of those situations? King David also had this realization as he wrote Psalm 23. In verse 1, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He gives me all that I need. He knows me. He cares for me. He tends to the needs that I have. He provides, he protects, and he is with me. We can be uncomfortable and not be living anywhere near these extremes. And there were other things that Paul faced in his life. You know, there was the shipwreck. He was beaten. He was jailed. And yet, he was content in all of those things as well. I don't know about you, I, I wouldn't want to feel that way. Whether I am in any of these circumstances, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <clears throat> and another way of saying this is I can endure all things. I can get through any circumstance that I have. Why? Because it is Christ who gives me strength. Are you struggling in any way today? Are you having some great anxiety about it? You can be content in any circumstance, whether it's economically, whether your circumstance is physical physical or spiritual. You can endure all things. You can do all things because of Christ. Because he gives you the ability to overcome. It is because of Jesus that we can be content in any circumstance. You know, there are many things that we go through in life. And many of those things lead us to anxiety. Anxiety that leads to irrational behavior. Anxiety that leads to irrational thinking. Or anxiety that leads us to irrational neediness. And as a result, we don't turn to anything around us but ourselves. It turns us inwardly 
How can I fix it? But instead, instead of getting all anxious about all these different things, we can turn to Christ. And we don't have to worry about what we think we need or what we think we need to do. We can go to the one who knows us and knows what we need. And in this, we can rejoice. In verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Notice what Paul doesn't say. Rejoice when only the good things happen. Or rejoice only when the bad things happen. Though I don't know how many people would rejoice when bad things happen. But Paul says here, rejoice always. For we can find contentment in life, no matter what's going on, because of Jesus. We can be content as we continue to trust him for all that is happening in us and for us. For he has already given to us our greatest need which is salvation. And he did it not by looking at himself, but by looking at you and looking at me. And then looking to the Father above as he died on a cross so that we may enter eternal life. Trust in Jesus and find contentment in him. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that we may gather together to praise you, to thank you for all that you are and all that you have done for us in your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you that whatever we're going through, whatever is happening to us, we can be content not because we look to ourselves, but we look to the God of peace, the God of understanding, the God who overcomes the world. And so, Father, we thank you for your grace and your peace to us, that even though we had done wrong against you, you sent your Son to die for us. And Father, we pray if there is anything that is causing anybody to be anxious today, Father, we pray that you might take their anxiousness and turn it into joy. Father, may they see you. May they find you and find contentment. It's in the name of our Savior, your Son, we pray. Amen.